After months of quarantine, Americans have been jolted into undeniable new challenges, faced with accepting strange new realities, or in some cases, forced into creating new ones, whether it's taking drastic measures to ensure our livelihood or transforming our bizarre nightmares into anxiety-fighting tools. Quarantine can ultimately prepare us for life's biggest threats to come, one new vivid reality at a time. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about how the coronavirus pandemic provided lifelong smokers with new motivation to quit the habit. As a trusted coping mechanism turns into an imminent threat, the drive to finally stop smoking during a pandemic is often met with one very difficult question. How exactly do you quit while the world is retreating into quarantine? Our second story is about the vivid coronavirus-related dreams you're having. Ranging from hopeful to terrifying, it turns out our weird new pandemic dreams aren't just strange, they have an upside. With research suggesting they can prepare the brain for real-life situations, understanding what our feelings and anxieties are in quarantine can offer us a healthy new way to express these emotions in the future. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, the drive to quit in quarantine explained. like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It may not be the easiest time to quit smoking, but if the effects of the coronavirus have taught us anything, it may be the right time. Because of the unique circumstances of this pandemic, it becomes clear that smoking affects the body's ability to fight the virus. Right now, it's unclear exactly how many smokers are trying to quit. However, Inverse learns that for many smokers, COVID-19 has been a catalyst to finally break the habit. We spoke to one now former smoker who explains why the current circumstances push the desire to quit into high gear. Right now we are sitting quite, you know, exposed and scared. And I know that if I get this virus, chances are that, number one, I will suffer very badly. Number two, my husband might possibly die. He has, he has had lung issues in the past. Um, so I, have, I said to myself, that's it, I'm quitting. I have to do this. I have to do this for my family. I have to do this for myself. That was Bridget, a 46-year-old former smoker from Antigua. She recently had been turning to Reddit's R Stop Smoking for support. And while the coronavirus has sparked the extra motivation, quitting during a pandemic creates a unique challenge. Uncertain times mean new levels of stress, and the triggers to smoke soar to an all-time high. So how does one actually quit while quarantining during a pandemic? Dr. Dongbo Fu from the World Health Organization says some key behavioral adjustments can help. There are a range of behavior or psychological tobacco cessation interventions which can be used to support tobacco use to quit. For example, they may associate with other habits or behavior such as eating, such as watching TV, such as talking on the phone or hanging out with friends. To quit tobacco also means they need to break these connections that have formed the habit. Quitters might not be able to meet in person right now, but support is still something a computer or phone can provide. There are other measures you can take. Let's get more on this from Inverse staff writer Emma Batwell, who has been covering this story. Hey, Emma. Uh, I'm good. How are you, Tanya? I am good, holding up, quite literally, as are we all. But um, clearly, we're all making all kinds of life adjustments as of late. And for someone who's trying to quit smoking, that takes adjusting to a whole nother level. So I was curious as to your sense of this, because you know, while most of this is obviously anecdotal, we are in these early stages. 
Do you get a sense that COVID-19 made things different for a lot of smokers that many have really stepped up or at least really want to step up in, in trying to quit? That's the sense that I got just from speaking to a couple of different people as I was reporting out the story. Like we said, we don't have like a population-based, any population-based numbers telling us that a lot of people are quitting due to their concerns about uh, COVID-19. But there is a lot of activity on subreddits that are dedicated to uh, stopping smoking, like our Stop Smoking. Um, You'll see people on Twitter talking about it. Um, I spoke to Matt Myers, who's the uh, director of Tobacco Free Kids. And he said that he's sort of seeing a similar thing, but also we we don't have the numbers to confirm it. But we do have these anecdotes from people who are legitimately freaked out about a virus that does seem to go right for your lungs, who are just trying to put themselves in the best possible position to have either no contact with COVID-19 or if they happen to do get the virus, have as little struggle with it as possible. And we've known for a long time all about the dangers of smoking, but this virus had a way of really heightening that danger for a lot of smokers. What is it about coronavirus that makes smokers so prone to these dire complications? I think what we know right now is that, I mean, we have decades of research on smoking showing that the habit can damage the cilia in the lungs. I mean, these are basically like little hairs in the lungs that move uh, mucus around. They keep the lungs relatively clear. And we know that smoking can harm those. We also know that smoking is related to immune system, issues with the immune system. So these things, obviously, there's not a whole lot of peer-reviewed research speaking to the direct comparison of COVID-19 with smokers. There was one small study out of China suggesting that smoking was a risk factor for worse progression of the disease. But all of the background literature has led a lot of experts to believe, including a bunch of people at the American Lung Association, to say, well, if you're a smoker, one of the things you can do to make sure that COVID-19 doesn't affect you as severely is try to quit now. And I think that that's really... Because this is a sort of scary time for people, it has put a method of control back into their hands, although it's obviously extremely difficult to quit under the best of circumstances. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, too, because that's something that comes out of this as well as, you know, we just try to find those coping mechanisms and control is one of the ways that we do that. So maybe there's something to that correlation with smoking. But I wanted to ask about vaping as well, because obviously, I mean, there's um, controversy as to whether it's worse for you than smoking, better for you or what have you. I guess it depends where you are, where you're coming from. But how are experts weighing in about vaping um, as it pertains to COVID-19? Yeah, vaping is a tough question because there is It's been around for a lot shorter of a time than smoking has been around for. I think that you'll see people in the vaping community who are really, really passionately, you know, they're they're really behind vaping and they are really skeptical of the idea that vaping could contribute to worse symptoms. The experts I spoke to, including uh, people at uh, Sven Eric Jort at Duke University, um, they say that basically there's no evidence that vaping is going to help you. There's evidence from animal studies and from cell studies suggesting that vaping can have harmful effects on the immune system. So I don't think that it's as strong an evidence base as for traditional cigarette smoking, but we do know that there's a lot of dual use for some people, which can obviously play a factor here. And it's something that 
I've seen vapors online who've decided that they're not willing to gamble with it. So considering the elevated stress of a pandemic, quitting now seems even more daunting than it notoriously is, obviously, not to mention during a quarantine. So how do people, how how are they finding their way through this? What are people doing, again, anecdotally? Um, and what do the experts have to say about these unique times and quitting during them? Yeah, I think that one of the things that people are particularly struggling with is that if smoking or jeweling is your sort of creature comfort of choice, it can be hard to, you know, remove that from your life right now. It's it's an, an additional source of stress. So one of the things that people are doing is there are still quit lines that are operational. So New York State quit line, federal quit lines, those are still working. The scary thing that I think became clear as, you know, New York went on pause and we started to sort of have to reevaluate the way we live is that there definitely were like New York State's quit line had, uh, had to scale down a little bit. And there was, you know, an announcement on Instagram, on Twitter about sort of the scaling down of that quit line. But there are other quit lines that have not been affected. And that quit line is, they're still functional. They're still operational. And the people that I spoke to anecdotally are also just sort of leaning on the support of their family and friends. Um, Daniel, the guy I spoke to who's trying to quit vaping, says he is just chewing a lot of nicotine gum and playing video games with his girlfriend. People are sort of, they're looking for support in lots of ways. And this can be another way in which you need support. But that said, like, it's a lot more than just finding support. This is a tough habit for people to to quit. So it's going to be a different path for everybody. Mm-hmm. And obviously there are no answers just yet about anything at this point, much less how to quit smoking. But I feel, I feel like everyone's kind of going through the motions, whatever it may be. So there's a lot more to Emma's piece at inverse.com. Emma, thanks as always. Yeah. Thanks, Tanya. Your vivid pandemic dreams aren't just weird. Again, they have an upside. And new research has experts teaching us how to turn strange coronavirus dreams into anxiety-fighting tools. Question for you. Have you been having really vivid dreams lately related to COVID-19? It seems some Americans can't escape the pandemic even when they sleep. In a Harvard survey, more than 2,000 people described 5,000 COVID-19 related dreams. Many people say their dreams during this pandemic are different than their pre-pandemic dreams, more vivid. Dreams about bugs. Maybe you're being chased or you're taking a final exam for a class you never even attended. From zombies to the apocalypse to superheroes are just really vivid dreams, but why? There are some reasons. Experts say one function of dreams is to help us emotionally process these strange new phenomenon some are calling quarantine dreaming. It's fair to say that of all the health effects of a global pandemic, weird dreams are probably not one we saw coming. As post-tagged hashtag pandemic dreams flood social media, Experts tell Inverse that they are increasingly hearing about coronavirus dreams. These pandemic dreams are colored by stress, isolation, and changes in sleep patterns, setting them apart from typical dreaming. Maybe you were trapped on a subway that won't stop. Maybe COVID-19 showed up at your door in the form of a rock star and asked you how long you'd like to live. Maybe you were CNN anchor Chris Cuomo telling your brother... New York Governor Andrew Cuomo about a dream you had during coronavirus fever at an April 2020 press briefing. Uh, you came to me in a dream. You had on a very interesting ballet outfit and you were 
dancing in the dream and you were waving a wand and saying, I wish I could wave my wand and make this go away. And then you spun around and you danced away. Well, that's, uh, there's a lot of uh, metaphoric uh, reality now. There is an upside to Governor Cuomo wearing a ballet outfit, I promise. Dream experts say weird, vivid dreams like these can help us better understand what our real thoughts, feelings, and anxieties are in quarantine and give us a healthy chance to express these emotions. Our brain's way of understanding the stressful information we take in during the day can manifest in weird dreams and nightmares when we sleep. The question is, what do we do about them? Joining us with more on this is Inverse's Emma Batuel. Hey, Emma. Hi, Tanya. So I have to ask, uh, personally, I don't think I get enough sleep, which I think impacts how much I dream or at least how much I remember I dream. So I don't really, this doesn't really play out so much for me, but I have to ask you, have you had any weird coronavirus dreams um, (laughs) during your quarantine? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had, some of them are pretty horrifying. I'm not really sure if I want to talk about them, even though I probably should. Um, But some of the ones that I feel like are are shareable, or at least I've had a lot of transit-related dreams, um, like being stuck on subways that don't stop. Um, One of our science editors, Claire Cameron, she tweeted about a dream she had where a friend showed up at her house and tried to give her a pie but and was angry when she wouldn't let her inside. So it's definitely showing up in different ways for different people. Actually, a good friend of mine said that they had a dream recently that happened all within the confines of a Zoom call. So their dream was just a Zoom call. And maybe that doesn't feel like it's an anxiety dream, but I think for those of us who are pretty sick of Zoom calls, that might be anxiety-inducing in itself. Right. And, you know, we um, we took an informal survey of Inverse Daily readers. We got a lot of weird stuff reported back. A lot of this um, vivid visual manifestation was a big theme. And we come to learn that this is pretty common when these big events profoundly shape our lives. You know, 9-11 is an example where you heard a lot about these post-traumatic types of dreams. These pandemic dreams are different though. How is um, How are the current times dictating these very specific types of vague, weird dreams? The experts that I spoke to for this story said that it's they're noticing lots of people reporting vivid and strange dreams thanks to the coronavirus. Actually, there are several efforts to record these dreams and create a global database of dreams that are being unrolled sort of all over the world. But There's sort of one key differentiator between these coronavirus dreams and dreams that we see after traumatic events. So the experts that I spoke to said that these are anxiety dreams, not necessarily traumatic dreams. And so a traumatic dream would be something that happens if you've had a really horrifying life experience, like a war or um, being in the building during 9-11 is one that I discussed with my experts. So those dreams are realistic replays of past events, and they're extremely, extremely harmful. There's no good side to these dreams, basically. Um, They happen to about half of PTSD patients at night, and it can stop them from sleeping and cause all of these other downstream effects. Unless you're a frontline healthcare worker or an essential worker who's experienced something very traumatic thanks to the coronavirus, and there are lots of people out there who have experienced trauma thanks to the coronavirus, and see traumatic things every day, that might they may replay those in their dreams. For the rest of us who are just merely extremely anxious about the coronavirus, not to discount that at all because that's a really powerful feeling, um, these dreams are anxiety dreams, which means that they may be a little bit more abstract, but they're not often direct traumatic replays of a specific event. 
So now we have a better sense of the problem. The question becomes, what do we do about it? And what a lot of experts say is you can turn this weirdness into a positive. And the first step, you know, as is usually the case, is to just talk about it and just processing it aloud can off the bat lead to some kind of alleviation. Yeah, there are a couple of different ways of looking at this. There's the idea that occasional bad dreams, as long as they're not horrifying nightmares or realistic replays of traumatic events, are not actually all that bad. So there's one school of thought um, that's sort of encapsulated by this study that came out in 2019, where showing that essentially regions of the brain that are ignited um, during fear during the day um, are also ignited when we have scary nightmares. So in this study, um, this was done at the University of Geneva. There were uh, 89 participants. When they were awake and they saw images of scary situations, they had less activation in the amygdala, which is an area of the brain that's really active in in fear, the idea of that study is that you are sort of getting used to talking yourself down from fear, and that's sort of something that plays out and that's practiced in your dreams. The other side of it is that these dreams, to some extent, um, explain sort of help us pin down what really scares us about the pandemic. And the pandemic is a really big idea to tackle. There are lots of things that might make you feel afraid. Um, but one of the experts I spoke to said that it's a really good way of sort of figuring out what makes you afraid. Like if you are dreaming about being trapped on a train or if you're dreaming about losing a loved one, a lot of the, these things are going to be reflective of things that have scared you in the past. Um, they're kind of boiling to the surface here. Um, and one of my experts said, if you're actually able to talk about those dreams with somebody, somebody who's a, you know, willing and, and able to listen to them and not feel stressed out themselves. And if you can focus on the emotions that are in those dreams, it can kind of help you grow from them. Um, and it can sort of help you transform this sort of scary experience to something you can talk through and understand a little bit better. It was also encouraging to learn that we don't all go to the dark side. People have had positive dreams and people process things in more fruitful ways, let's call them. You really do see how processing our subconscious can be used for the better. And in a weird way, that's that's all we can do. That's the ultimate goal here. Yeah. And some of uh, the inverse readers who responded to our surveys really uh, actually reported positive. Well, I'm not sure how positive, but lighter dreams, too. Um, one reader from Woodbury, New Jersey, said that he dreamed that by inhaling a small amount of athlete's foot powder, it killed the virus. That obviously isn't true. Like, don't do that. But just an example of somebody who has a dream that they have kind of overcome the virus. Um, one of my experts also said she heard a story of a woman who had a dream she was actually a coronavirus antibody. And she was roaming around and just defeating the virus. Um, so, And one of my experts says sort of these overcoming it themes leave people just feeling better when they wake up. So at this point, I think we're willing to take those happy feelings wherever we can get them. And if they come in a dream, that's great. It's a good place to leave it. Emma Batwell, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Tanya. Head to Inverse.com to read more about the many ways to navigate your way through quarantine. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>